I am delighted to introduce Helen Masters from Atarangi across the ditch in the lovely New Zealand. Good morning, Helen. Can you hear me? Good morning, Jill. Can you hear me? I certainly can. Actually, I can see you and I can see this <laughs> stunning blue sky. What's what's going on over there? Even the Gold Coast is great. Well, it's crispy in the morning, so then you get these amazing blue skies. So it is a beautiful day. No rain, which we're really excited about. Yeah. Oh, well, then that's probably a good way to kick it off. So um, how has vintage gone for you? Oh, vintage is it's been a tough vintage, tough season. It's been very wet mm. here. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, it's not it's not my favourite vintage today. <laughs> and I'm mm, no, but I, I, <laughs> I bet. Are you are you done, or do you still have a little bit? You wouldn't have anything left on, would no, you? We're done. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, everything safely in barrel, which is really nice. So we can kind of breathe out a bit. Yeah. Oh well, look. When you think of what the actual uh, what Atarangi stands for, doesn't doesn't it stand for like new new beginning, new day, new dawn? Just just keep that as a mantra. It's very appropriate, actually, and it and it's very appropriate because every season is a new beginning, and um, and you and actually it's a great name, and it it stood the test of time because it it's still still great now as it was forty three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've been involved since early 2000s, is that right? Yeah, so I, I joined the team here in late 2003. Um, so I've kind of been here nearly 20 years now. And um, yeah, it's great. So can you give us a little bit of uh, the history about Atarangi? It's such a famous uh, wine brand, uh, but just maybe just go back to the beginning. Yeah, so, you know, New Zealand's relatively a much younger wine producer than Australia. And, um, you know, the region of Marlborough had only really started going in the late 70s. And um, in 1980, Martinborough kicked off. And really, it was on the back of a, a geological report that suggested that it was very, um, would be good for growing Pinot Noir, similar to mm. Burgundy. And Clive Payton, who was a dairy farmer, was having a little bit of a midlife crisis. And he decided that to sell his dairy cows and um, to buy the first piece of land, which we call our home block, which the winery is situated on. Mm -hmm. And it grew from there. So um, it's still a family owned business. And um, the region is, you know, at the same time as Clive planted that first block, about four other producers started. And now I'd say there's about 35 producers, but still a very distinctly small region, but always yes. been really focused on Pinot Noir. Yes, yeah, and they are they are absolutely outstanding. Martin Brew is probably my absolute favourite wine region, subregion, whatever you want to call it, in New Zealand. And I've, I've spent a lot of time there with the tastings. I just, and they're all so beautiful. I mean, you really do come from one of the most stunning countries in the world. That's a that's a given. Um, but Martin Brew is just this this tiny little gorgeous area. Even the square that the town is set in, you know, around that beautiful old pub that I think was bought by spices or peppers or uh yep one of those and it's yeah just beautiful and i think that you're so you're just trying to picture the map so your vineyards probably starts a few kilometers out they're still fairly close yeah 
Yeah, so um, the vineyards start almost, you know, maybe 500 metres from the town square. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the, that terrace runs sort of a five. The, the main bottom terrace is 5Ks by 1K and only about 500 metres from the town. So one of the things that's great about Martinborough, if, you, if you're looking to visit, is that you can walk between most of the <laughs> Yeah, 100%. It's a really fun, that's exactly what I did. It's like quite literally, it's a really fun, simple way to do it. And, mm -hmm. but the, the wines are just so stunning. Mm -hmm. you, so you do very much, you focus on, you know, very certain varietals, of course, you know, Pinot Noir being the main one. You've got the Sav, you do, you do a few, do you do, are you doing a Riesling? And uh, we did, uh, we do a, um, we did a dry Riesling from our Craig Hall vineyard up until our last release of that is 18. Right. Um, and we've replanted that with some more Chardonnay. Um, and we do a kahu, a sweet uh, late harvest dessert Riesling, just from oh. one special block. And that's uh, because Ali Payton, one of our, our um, owners, just has such a sweet tooth that right. <laughs> uh, we, we dedicate this block to making a sweet um, dessert Riesling for her. Um, you know, you've got to do those sorts of things. <laughs> oh, look, a late harvest Riesling, late harvest Bordello, I love them. <laughs> I think yeah. they're beautiful. There is a time and a place for, for those wines for sure. So you have, you've got a, a fair few different blocks and vineyards, uh, but let's talk about the Master's Vineyard, which of course would be named after you, I, I can only assume. Tell us about that. What are you growing on it? What are the differences in the soils, etc.? So it's just Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. and it's actually four kilometres south. So it's a bit cooler and it's got uh, a mix of um, gravel and clay. It's a little bit of clay coming through in this site. And um, my husband and I bought this vineyard in 15, but I have been making wine off this vineyard since 07. So I kind of knew it was pretty special. Yes. And um, the people who owned it always said if they sold it, you know, I could be the buyer. So it's been a really great um, process to actually not only make the wine, but we mm -hmm. actually spend all our spare time growing the fruit, which is a bit crazy. Um, but it's really great to just do everything on the whole block. Um, my kids are actually super helpful, which I'm grateful for. Um, uh, so that's been, been it, it is a real family enterprise. And so Beautiful. there's a Master's Chardonnay and a Master's Pinot Noir. And I guess there's a little bit of a little bit more of me in those vineyards because I actually um, directly oversee growing the fruit. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, oversee all the fruit at at Arshirangi, but I'm not out there every day doing something. Whereas in the master's block, I'll come home from Arshirangi and walk out there and move some wires. So it's been fun. It's, I bet. Um, yeah. And busy. You, you yeah. did mention your children. So first of all, um, happy Mother's Day. Sorry, oh, I'm, I'm very remiss of me to not mention it <laughs> earlier. And um, we'll go into that at the end of the interview. Uh, are your children uh, quite interested in, in following in your shoes or are they just helping out because they're just, they're good kids? Uh, yeah, helping out mainly my daughter just because she's a good kid. But no, she's off um, doing her first year of art school. But my oh. son, who's 16, he, he's wondering if he might be a winemaker. So we'll see. Oh, okay. No pressure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do yeah. you have a favourite varietal? Oh, it's always tough. I guess, you know, Pinot has been the thing that I've always followed. So everywhere mm. I've worked, it's been a Pinot Noir producer. So I guess that tells you that Pinot Noir kind of is that driving force. Yes. Yeah. But I, you know, I really love making Chardonnay. 
And then what I drank, because I love drinking, um, you know, Nebbiolo, Barolo. So, you know, if I lived in Italy, I'd, I'd, I'd make Barolo. Yeah. Actually, that's that's a very interesting a little, little take. So I'm a big fan of Italian varietals as well, big time. And in Australia, we are, oh gosh, we're producing some excellent um, Italian wines. Um, and, and really enjoying seeing them come to the form for, for so many different reasons. I mean, for one, you know, just the, the, the beautiful pairings with all different types of food, but they're, and I really don't like using this word, but approachability. The fact that, um, you know, they're, they're, to, they're for immediate drinking. You don't need to be putting them down. They're full of flavor, but they can still be quite light, tend to be a little bit lighter in alcohol. They really are appealing to to the today drinker. Um, and they, but they are just so delicious. But Australia is very lucky that we've got very similar terroir in a lot of our wine regions to produce them so well. Um, I guess when it comes to New Zealand, so it's, you know, Hilltops, for example, um, produces some of the best Nebbiolo you'll probably find outside of Italy. Um, when it comes to New Zealand, you know, you don't really see the Italian varietals um, being made. If you could make an Italian varietal, do you think, uh, where, where could it be in New Zealand? Where would, where would it actually work? Well, you know, we tried about 25 years ago and we planted mm. um, some Sangiovese and Nebbiolo and we couldn't get them to even turn really um, pink. They were green no. rocks. So yes. too cool where we are in, in Martinborough and too cool probably going south. There's pockets perhaps in the Hawke's Bay and mm. perhaps on Waiheke where they could um um endeavor you know to mm. to make some of the red i think maybe some of the whites varieties could be more successfully grown yes well i think nebbiolo as we know is quite a, it's a it's a very interesting um let's say it's a it's a very difficult grape to yeah. grow and get right there's that very fine line between between when it's too green and it's completely over so yeah. um yeah, I guess there's just no real point in even going down going down that path, not when you produce the varietals that you guys do, you just do so, so well. So ju just on those, going back to the Masters block and the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir, let's talk about, so they're, they're clones that you have, um, I think the, the, the Chardonnay clone is from Mendoza, is that right? So it's called Mendoza. Um, it's 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 a French, you know, they all ultimately started in France. Hmm. And, um, and and how it ends up being called Mendoza is is probably that some of the cuttings came from Mendoza in Argentina, but it's an original, obviously um, French vinifera. And I think in Australia it's it's fairly similar to what you call ginger. Uh, right. And then in the US it's very similar to the, it's another name that they're calling it over there. So it's just the name that's obviously. Um, when it's coming to New Zealand is what we call it. But it's a very, very small, um, very small bunches, very, very loose, lots of hen and chicken, so bigger berries and then very small berries. And it's those small berries that give real concentration and drive and it has mm -hmm. great acidity. Um, and so, you know, one of my favourite Chardonnay clones is Mendoza. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. right. delicious. And what about the Pinot Noir? So Pinot Noir is a combination um, um, of of three different of the Dijon clones. So those clones were sourced originally from Dijon University, hence the name, and um, and then a clone called Abel clone, which is a, an um, import that came into New Zealand in the mid 70s and is named after um, the Malcolm Abel, who was the 
um, meth officer who confiscated these vines from a young man. So, and then they were put into quarantine and then he grew, grew them in his little vineyard in Auckland. And that's where we sourced those, um, those first cuttings in 1980 for our block. And so we've got the sort of like the mother block now of this particular clone, Abel. Right. And I know that there's Abel clone in Australia. I know Yabby Lake puts out our single, um, single ah, variety. Ah, Mornington clone. Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've managed to steal some of it over. So I don't know if it got an um if it was an illegal import into Australia or it the proper channel, but it's there. So <laughs> That's a little bit interesting you even mentioned that, though, because isn't there a little bit of an illegality story about a clone uh, that was picked up at an airport and confiscated for Atarangi? And this the is cl- the Abel clone, yeah. That was, yeah, okay, so that, <laughs> and, okay, so that was, and that was Malcolm? Who... So, yeah, it was um, it was brought in by a young man. Unfortunately, records back in the seventies at um, at airports aren't were all paper, so we don't know yes. who the young man was. But he had a bundle of about twenty cuttings, and Malcolm Abel was the um, was the officer who who did the interviewing and the confiscating of the vines. Yep, and right. he was interested in these because he had a vineyard. Um, and so he knew what he was looking at. He's like, I'm sitting on a yeah. potential gold mine here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So so he was the only one interested when they came out of quarantine. So he got all those cuttings. Um, and Clive, you know, there's always lots of strokes of luck along the way. And sure. Clive, when he was planting the original block, there wasn't a lot of nurseries here in New Zealand like there is now, but he heard that this guy in Auckland had this um, clone that came in from Burgundy. So he just rang up and said, you know, can I get some cuttings off you? Right. And so about 2000 small cuttings arrived and were duly planted straight into the ground. And that block we still have, that's what we, you know, we guard it quite fiercely so it doesn't get um, any kind of disease such as, phylo- as phylloxera. We've managed to keep that out yes. so far because it is mm-hmm. on own group. Yep. Um, and so that's an important block for us and is part of what makes, I guess, some of the character and of, of Atarangi is definitely from the high proportion of Abel clone that we have. Yeah. Um, I, you'll, you'll hear Aspinanua producers often talk about clone, which you wouldn't do if you were talking necessarily about Merlot, where uh-huh. it, it is it is a geek swine, I think, Pino. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually heard it described like that, Helen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so let's just talk about some of your other wines. Um, you have a beautiful Syrah, which is not particularly normal for, for the area. Talk us through the Syrah and what, what, what are we tasting there? Yeah, so we, we have a single vineyard um, Syrah called Juliet, named after Juliet Hensley, who um, is, uh, we source this fruit from, her family's block. Um, and... This, you know, cool, it is very cool climate Syrah. So it is more aromatic, more perfumed, much lower alcohol, generally only about 12.5% alcohol um, and really kind of more bright and juicy and and got this really great kind of lift. Um, almost, I always, what I love about a really good cool climate Syrah is this almost sort of cathedral effect it has. It kind of lifts you up. Um, and so, yeah, so it is, you know, we're really careful not to then kind of overwork it, just keep it very, very bright and, and all those things that are different from a 
from a winner, winner Sararas and made in a warmer climate where it tends to be heavier, um, mm. a lot more tan and a lot more sweetness. Um, mm. This is a little bit more about energy, I guess. It's um, much more, it's kind of like the elegance and finesse of the old world kind of style, isn't it? That's what I'm sort of hearing from you. I loved that description, the cathedral effect. Can I use that? Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I promise I'll, I'll quote you, but I really, really <laughs> like that. It lifts you up. Um, so, so what? So what? What else are you? What else are you doing? That's a little bit different. That's a little bit outside of the uh, the normal Martian brusque wear. Well, you know that's a good one because we have a great Martian square in Martian borough like that. Um, so, um, Sauvignon Blanc wise, I know um, a lot of people have this. Really, they hear Sauvignon and they think a certain thing about New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a real shame because Sauvignon Blanc is a fantastic variety, you know, really, if it's grown well, if it's kept, you know, the crop not too high, there's just uh, so much sort of detail and concentration and layers of of character you can get with Sauvignon Blanc. So I've really gone down a path of, of really expressing what Sauvignon does when it's on very unvigorous sites, so very free-draining soils, um, where naturally the crop is very low. And to that effect, I do kind of the opposite of what anyone else would normally do with Sauvignon. It, it's um, a lot of it, half of the blend is 100% whole bunch fermented. So really just like a red wine, you know, the bunches come in, they're pan-picked, so they're beautifully clean and just load up a fermenter with the bunches and then basically seal it up and let it start fermenting. And you get this amazing kind of array of um, aromas from the skins, more cardamom, mandarin, mm. um, and just a really interesting texture. And I started doing skins ferment in about 2014 with Sauvignon because to me, if you're going to go and eat something in the vineyard that tastes great, Sauvignon is the grape. It absolutely tastes delicious. And I was always really disappointed when I pressed it that that wasn't coming through in the juice. And really, it's a low phenolic, thought of as a low phenolic variety. But when you ferment it with the skins, you get this, you get get the phenolics out of the skins, but you also get a really interesting array of, of, of characters, which are not your typical passion fruit, grassy, Yes. They're more spice, white, you know, clove and cardamom and beautiful grass. And mm. so, a bit more herbaceous than like fruit, fruit, stone fruit, tropical fruit. That's kind of what you're explaining. Yeah. Or even kind of more savory is almost like if you've if you you if you do a bit of Thai cooking, you know the root galangle. Yes, is quite yes. aromatic, but also yes. quite savory. Yes, sometimes I almost get that in it. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love. I've got to try this because that sounds yeah. like a, a sample right up my alley. Yeah. So I what I that's what I love about varieties like Sauvignon that people have pigeonholed so much that mm -hmm. actually when you give them and you grow them in, a, in places where they can't get too rampant, the vine doesn't yes. grow too big. So it's putting all its resources into flavour and the fruit. Yes. And then you take the time to to get that out of the fruit, out of the skins. I think there's real magic. And of course, we ferment very dry, so there's no residual sweetness. And it's, mm. So it's you really get much more texture and so ultimately a much better um, food wine. And I think for us here at Atarangi, texture is really important. You know, the wines can't just be aroma and acid or aroma and there has to be a level of kind of um, texture that you're getting from from the 
it's a, the other parts of the grape, the phenolics, the, and so you know it's it's a it's it's working with with the soil and with the with the vines and the fruit to really make something that captures a little bit of what we're about, whether it's the soil and also the people and what we love to drink. Yeah, yep, 100%. That's that's exactly what it's all about. And that's exactly what, why you should be doing it. So you so you actually have, a, I love your take on the Sad Blanc. And actually, just before we completely move off that, I love a good Sad Blanc. I love, obviously, I love one from Loire Valley. I love, um, I love a good Adelaide Hills Sad Blanc. You know, there, there are certain specific areas where I just, I just think they are done so beautifully. And you're right, they don't have to just be so passion fruit forward and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. So the way that you describe yours sounds absolutely stunning. Um, I'm a little bit interested in your Celebre blend. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got mm -hmm. it's, uh, the Merlot, Malbec, Cab Franc and Syrah. Again, they are not, uh, they are not particular varietals that um, you really attribute to New Zealand. So can you talk us through that line? Yeah, so you know, of course, when a new region is is first starting out, so in 1980, there was kind of half the original um, pioneers were convinced it was Pinot Noir, and the other half <laughs> was like, no, we need to put Merlot in, and and so we've ended up with 40 year old Merlot vines um, and um, Malbec vines, and so actually the first wine we produced back in um, 85 was this Celeb blend. And we have, so now for us, it's a historic blend that we do every year. Not every year, there's, um, I'm not making one from this vintage because it's too cool and 17 and 12, I, I didn't make a Celeb. So we really, you know, have to hang these varietals out late. When we first started out, it had Cabernet Sauvignon and that was just a disaster. We couldn't get that ripe enough. Um, so that was removed and that's when we started planting Syrah. And um, to me, the most exciting components is Cabernet Franc um, yes. and Syrah. Um, and they just bring a lot more aromatics and tension um, to the Merlot and the Malbec. So, yeah, we do this out of nostalgia. And I have to say, there's a lot of people who is, it's their favourite wine. You know, it mm. is... Um, Sounds amazing. Yeah. So, you know, we don't... It, it's it's a Bordeaux-type blend made by mm. a Pinot Noir winemaker. So it's not hugely extracted. It's really aromatic. Mm. Um, it's in barrel for 22 months. And it's just delicious. I just think that there's something about it that is very centering. And I think, you know, if, if something happens at work and people are upset, normally, you know, you go, would you like a cup of tea? But no, it's <laughs> would you like a small glass of celeb? And it's that, it's that one Well, it always has to be said with the accent there, doesn't it? Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> it's that one wine that kind of centers everybody back down. It's not pretentious, mm. but it's mm. just got... The, kind of welcoming feel to it, really kind of Moorish spiciness to it. Yeah. Um, and so it is It is fun to make and it's fun to, you know, show that kind of cooler spectrum, but without being vegetal. It's, it has got sure. a really lovely range of perfume and spice. And yeah, so we're, we're really quite personally connected to that. Um, oh, it, we can <laughs> tell by the way, your descriptions are beautiful. I, I just love hearing you talk about one. I'm just like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 30 over there, isn't it? So, yeah. it's, 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 it's five to ten, but it's pretty early. That's your point. Um, so, Helen, uh, just whilst we've got a last couple of minutes, how are you planning uh, to spend Mother's Day or the rest of it? 
Well, I have just arrived at my parents' house um, and um, we're having a, as usual, a, a large family gathering. I'm from a really Beautiful. big family, so it's it's always a big celebration. Um, and um, yeah, it's always lots of joy. My parents are a little bit older now, so we... We all just gather around here. We've always gathered actually at my parents' house because we're such a big family and um, wine's always been part of it. That's how I got into wine is through so, uh, family gatherings. Well, so, and, and my older brothers used to bring um, bottles home that, you know, and I, as as a child, you know, youngest of, a, of 12, I would sit in the wow. family dynamics. They were always better when there was wine around. So <laughs> you need a lot of wine to deal with that amount of people in a family, Helen. Thank yeah. goodness you're all in it. You needed to be. Um, so, where, so where are? Where's your parents' house? Is it close to it's you a, or? It's about an hour and forty minutes. It's on the other coast. So, right. so Martin Borough, we're on the. Um, on the east coast, east I mean, coast. they're on the west, so they're on the yeah. which would normally be the the as so, sort of the same distance from Wellington, but on the west coast. So it's not sure. a wine growing region, yeah. and really, um, how we got how I got into wine is just through through observing, you know, um, how culturally important wine was for 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 family and bringing people together and um, celebrating things. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it sounds gorgeous. Do you have any ideas of what you're going to be drinking? I mean, I'm assuming that you're supplying some of it. What, what would be what would be your choice to drink today? Well, we'll always have some champagne because mm -hmm. that's you know the 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 original party event, um, and. Um, everybody's got quite diverse tastes, actually. So mm -hmm. um, it ends up being quite an eclectic variety of drink. But I'll always bring a Nebbiolo to finish, something from um, that's going to go really well with with cheese and things. And, um, of course, Pinot Noir. I, I have bought some Artarangi just because everybody expects it. Oh, so. You have to. <laughs> absolutely. That is an expectation, 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Helen, it does sound like you're going to have a lovely day, and I really appreciate you um, uh, stepping uh, stepping away from the parties. It does look like you, you've moved into the car, so thank you very much for taking half an hour out to chat to us. Again, love your descriptions. Can't wait to try some. Uh, I definitely know. I know more of your, I guess, well-known, like your, your pinots and that sort of jazz, but I don't really know the um, uh, that particular um, salve and the celebrity, which I just really need to try. So, look, Thank you very much. And um, here's hoping that next vintage is a better one for you. Absolutely. Cheers to that. And thank you very much. Have a great day.